0: Hey, tennis fans. You are listening to another episode of Matchpoint Canada, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. We're also members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mac- Mike McIntyre. We have reached the halfway point of the U.S. Open, our final Grand Slam of the season. Also have a fantastic guest, American Amanda Anisimova, uh, who Mike, you had the
1: opportunity to chat with uh, at the National Bank Open. Yeah, here we are halfway through the, the- final slam of the year and it's it's kind of a bittersweet time of the year i feel Mm. like for me like on the one hand i'm excited because my kids are going back to school soon but on the other hand it's the last major of the year and we won't get grand slam tennis for another four months after this one so just trying to soak it all in and enjoy it um i would say actually of the four slams this year this is the one that's allowed me to watch the most so i feel like i'm really getting into it and uh and there's been some fantastic matches as you mentioned, we've got Amanda Anisimova. The U.S. Open didn't go according to plan for her as she lost, dealing with the broken toe that she sustained in Cincinnati. But nonetheless, one of the rising American stars. So I feel like a timely um, point of the season to share this interview. I spoke with her in Toronto at the National Bank Open. But one of those American players that I think is going to make some noise in the coming years. Yeah, I, I think
0: uh, if I recall one of our first episodes of the, the season was sort of uh, year-end predictions and I believed uh, that she was obviously capable of getting back inside the top 20 and I'd have to, I guess double check to see where she is right now but I, she's I'm pretty 24 sh- right now. sure she's right on the cusp. There you go, 24 and, and surely I think if she can heal soon enough and get a few more matches, uh, that certainly top 20 is possible and actually I believe she's set to rise three spots to 21 at the end of this tournament. So kind of right there and as you said, one one of the like incredibly young talents in the game. Obviously the United States actually has a lot in the pipeline. I think we'll get to, you know, what Coco Gauff is doing at this tournament and, and a couple others, but uh, I guess before we break it all down, let's listen to your conversation with Amanda Anisimova.
1: Happy to be joined now on Matchpoint Canada by Amanda Anisimova. And uh, it's great to see you in person for this chat because a year ago it was virtual when you were in Montreal. And I'm just wondering, uh, how did you find that time having to do those interviews through Zoom or whatever the platform was versus being able to -to face-to-face talk to people?
2: Right. I mean, it was such a challenging time. Everything was much more complicated um, last year. So it's just so nice to be back and doing interviews back to normal. you know the face-to-face interactions is so much better so i'm just happy with how things have changed
1: well it's great to see you again and uh, what a big year for you in terms of improvements you're just about back at your career high ranking um had some great results on all surfaces this year as well Mm -hmm. what is it that's clicking for you and that your game has um you know transpired to bring it back to this this level for you
2: yeah i think i've progressed a lot this year um i had a lot of quarterfinals and you know i've been getting deep into tournaments So I'm really happy with my progress, and it's given me a lot of confidence. um, But hopefully uh, my next goals can be actually winning the tournaments. that's something I'm trying to work towards and just getting past that quarterfinal push.
1: Feels like you've been around on tour already for quite a while, even though you're only, what, 20 years old? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What are the pros and cons of, of growing up, really, as a professional tennis player in your teenage years, having to travel year in, year out? Um, what are the advantages and, and disadvantages that you have found in your short time, I guess, as a as a tennis pro?
2: Yeah, I think the advantages would be maturing uh, pretty early on and just all the lessons and experiences you learn um, just because you're so young and playing professional tennis. But it can also be challenging in terms of not being like at home for so long. You know, you get homesick and um, you miss out on a lot of things. So that's definitely tough. But you try to weigh out like what's more important to you at the end of the day.
1: We've been uh, having an initiative here in Canada this year at the tournament in particular um, in terms of raising mental health awareness uh, called Mental Timeout, and just recognizing the importance of, of talking about um, how important it is to take care of one's mental health. What do you do throughout the year, the long grind of the tennis season, to take care of your own mental health? And uh, what do you think of the initiative that they're doing here to get players and fans to interact and support each other on this level?
2: Yeah, I think that's super important, Um, especially here at the tournament. That's really nice of them to do that. I still haven't checked out the room. I know there's, like, a meditation room, so maybe I'll check that out this week. But for me, it's trying to go home when I can, like, after tournaments and um, not playing back-to-back for too long because going home for me is super important and just seeing my family and friends. But, yeah, I mean, it can get hard, but knowing that I'll be back soon just kind of helps me.
1: When you're on the tour on the road um, away from home, it's an individual sport, but every player has people to lean on, a support system. Who are those people, whether it's other players or, or people that you travel with, that, that you lean on for support uh, during the year? Uh,
2: my coach is super important for me. Uh, he's super nice and funny off of the court, so that helps, and I like spending time with him.
1: Want to drop a name there for us?
2: anda Yuska. Okay. Yeah. I worked with him uh, in 2019, and we've worked, like, for a couple of years, but we took a break last year, but we're working again together this year, so, yeah, it's been really good, and he's, um, you know, progressed me a lot this year, we've been working on a lot of things, so... Yeah, to have someone who helps me so much on and off the court um, is very important, especially because we're like together every single day and you don't want to spend time with someone you don't really enjoy being with.
1: That's how I feel about my podcast host, who's not here right now, but uh, Ben, (laughs) if you're listening, you're my support.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, sometimes my family gets to come to tournaments, so that's really nice, but it's not week in and week out.
1: As we're um, recording this interview today, big news dropped this morning. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. As an American tennis player, that Serena Williams has announced that she's going to be retiring. Uh, where were you when you found out the news, and what was your immediate reaction to hearing that?
2: Yeah, I've uh, passed by the article a couple times on social media, so I'm planning on reading that later tonight. Uh, the cover was super cute. I love that picture. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's really nice to see her here and just around the news having her here and playing is super cool and yeah I'm looking forward to watching her and hopefully at U.S. Open too.
1: Can you summarize maybe what kind of impact she's had on you and players of your generation who have grown up with her always being a professional tennis player and and a champion level professional tennis player at that what kind of impact she's had on you as you've grown up?
2: Yeah I mean she's such a legend and she's inspired me in so many ways Um, you know doing things her own way her and Venus and yeah, just having that inner belief that she can win every single tournament she plays. I mean, she has so many titles. So, yeah, it's something I can draw on, um, you know, to motivate myself in the next couple of years to try and get a couple more titles. But, yeah, she's she's incredible.
1: I don't have the head-to-head. haven't looked. Have you ever played Serena before?
2: I have. It didn't go so well for me. But, you know, just to have that experience playing against Serena is super special.
1: Maybe you'll get another crack at uh, Cincinnati yeah. or the U.S. Open. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um our canadian players here get so excited with this tournament the national bank open because it's really the big one that we have on the calendar you've got several in the united states but cincinnati coming up and then of course the u.s open uh what special place do those two tournaments occupy for you and do you have any memories as a kid of going to the u.s open that that stand out for you
2: um yeah u.s open is super special to me and it's the one grand slam i really want to win first um So hopefully, you know, I can get a good chance this year. And, yeah, I'm just taking it lightly this week and next week, just trying to progress my tennis and just trying to be more relaxed on the court going into the U.S. Open because, you know, there are a lot of nerves around it since it's so, you know, special and it's at home. So I'm going to try and um, put less pressure on myself. Right on.
1: Okay, that's all the tough questions. I have a few rapid-fire questions if (laughs) you're good with that to end. Nothing too crazy, I promise. Uh, So whatever pops into your mind. Uh, first one is the biggest thing that you miss from home when you're on the road.
2: Uh, like a thing or, uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, I miss my dog a lot. Okay. My mom takes care of her when I'm on the road. So I would say that.
1: I've seen a few dogs around the tournament actually. El yeah. has one yeah. with her and you ever bring your, your pup with you?
2: Um, only if my mom can come and take care of her. Otherwise I feel too bad. I just can't.
1: <laughs> um, next question. Have you ever made a tweener in a match?
2: I have not. I can't even do a tweener on my own. So I haven't tried one
1: either then, I guess, eh?
2: Sometimes in practice, but it's not so great. That makes
1: me feel better. I can't do (laughs) one either. Um, Who's the most challenging player that you've faced in your career?
2: Most challenging? I mean, quite a few, huh? So, I mean, Simona is always tough for me to play. Uh, I've had a tough couple matches against her this year. So I'd say her.
1: Okay. Who's a player that you've not yet faced as a professional that you kind of look forward to that opportunity?
2: oh i haven't actually played iga okay yeah so that'd be a good, good one to play right match, now yeah
1: not during that 37 match win streak but maybe now
2: i mean i would take the challenge okay <laughs> yeah i
1: like that um where do you keep all your tennis trophies
2: i mean i don't even have so many <laughs> but um in my living room
1: any one that stands out to you as like uh you know the one that has the most prominent place maybe in the living room
2: I think my first WTA title, that was pretty special in Bogota.
1: If there was any um, partner you could uh, play doubles with on tour, who would it be?
2: Um, well, Roger still isn't retired, so I'd play with him. Mixed doubles with Federer? <laughs> yep.
1: Nice. Okay, let's, uh, we'll put that out there. <laughs> um, who are you most looking forward to watching on the upcoming Netflix tennis series when that comes out next year?
2: I don't even know who's on it.
1: I don't even know who's on it either. I got, so. I heard a couple names, but if there was anyone that you could watch in the Netflix mm-hmm. show, who do you think would be the most maybe entertaining player to, to watch in that kind of capacity?
2: If Francis is on it, I'd say him. Francis.
1: Okay, nice. Uh, my last question for you is when you think of Canada, what comes to mind? Hmm
2: uh maple syrup
1: (laughs) it's a good one it's a good one uh mine too um well thank you so much for joining us on matchpoint canada great to have you back and and good luck the rest of the summer and the rest of the year
2: thank you
0: there you have it mike's chat with amanda anisimova who now that she's you know playing regularly seems to be despite the u.s open and the injury consistently making runs deeper in tournaments and giving herself chances
1: yeah, a couple of things I take from that interview in terms of her development and growth as a professional tennis player are one, that she's hungry for more. Like she is content that she's making it deeper into tournaments, that she's making it to the quarters or the semis. But now she's ready to take that even further and add to the two titles that she already has in her young career. So she she wants more. She's not satisfied with just what she's getting at this point in time. And the other thing that struck me was just it seems like she's really kind of in a good place Uh, mentally speaking, a good headspace. And I know she's been through some adversity in her young career with her father dying a couple of years ago. That was obviously a very traumatic um, experience for her. And she just seems like, you know, even in the interview there were a few times where she was kind of lighthearted talking about even getting beat down by Serena before. And she kind of had a laugh about it. Like I think she's able to want more, but be understanding that it's a process as well. And, And she only just turned 21, I believe last week.
0: Yeah, so still still incredibly young and I think if you look at the ceiling for her I mean when she plays her best tennis, I feel like she can certainly be a future Grand Slam champion. Like she has all the tools, you know. She's tall and athletic, or her, her ground strokes are incredible. I remember that early match, I think in the season, uh, she and Osaka battling it out at the Australian Open, and Nisi Mova won a three-set thriller there. So I, I feel like she absolutely has all the tools
1: uh, to do it. Yeah, she can hang with the best of them. I mean, she's beat Sabalenka this year. She can handle the fire. Power. She's beat Coco goff at Wimbledon. Uh, you know, a younger American who's probably getting a little bit more attention than she is right now. And we can't forget she made that Roland Garros semifinal in 2019 mm. at just the age of 17, and that's when everyone was kind of like, "Whoa, okay, she's ready for uh, for prime time, maybe already." And a little bit too soon at that time, but yeah, definitely, I th- think high ceiling there. She's likely to crack the top 20 to finish off this year, which would be a career high ranking for her. And fun to have on the podcast. I thought she was a great guest. And uh, as a tribute to you, I went with the rapid fire at the end and got some good stuff out of her there, including uh, that she would have enjoyed facing Sfiontech during her 37 match win streak um, and that she'd like to play mixed doubles with Roger Federer. Hey, why not? (laughs) And uh, a funny little story at the end. Our photographer, Nina Channing, got a picture of Amanda and I, and uh, she was on my right. I was on her left. And she purposely switched sides with me for the photo. And I just kind of joked. I said, it's your good side, isn't it? And she (laughs) laughed and kind of blushed like I caught her in the act of that. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know about you. Both my sides are equally weak. So uh, there is no strong side (laughs) for pictures. Well, I'll just admit uh, before we move on, uh,
0: doing the morning show with Nick McCarvel um, at at the National Bank Open, I told him uh, I have to be on... uh, on your right it was it was like a more comfortable transition uh for me to just like engage with someone conversation wise like i had to be on a specific side i don't know why he said he didn't mind so um yeah i guess uh, some of us do have a side for whatever reason
1: and see we don't have to worry about it when we're doing the podcast because <laughs> for the most part we're not using the uh the audio the the visuals, anyways. And. Uh... And we're looking straight at the camera. So there's that too. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, we'll move on to the women's side. And, you know, big piece of news here is we will have a first time uh, slam champion at the U.S. Open in the women's field in New York. You know, we we still have a couple grand slam champions in the draw, but uh, none that have won the U.S. Open. Just Serena Williams touching on her run before we get into the current players in the field. I mean, what an unbelievable send-off I think going in I set my expectation if she can just win one match that would be terrific to win two matches and you know push Ila Tomjanovic the way she did like the level of play she she exhibited across three matches especially against Contivate and then that third round battle was just astounding and I, I thought it was such a a lovely sort of glimpse into her career that final set and final game against Isla Tomjanovic when she saves multiple match points just refusing to go away refusing to go down just revealing that competitive spirit one more time and you almost wish for Serena like if she had had some more consistent match play in 2022 maybe she was ready to make a run
1: absolutely I, I think overall it it went better than anticipated in terms of her farewell in New York Although on our preview episode a week ago, I think we did talk about how Contivate was kind of, um, you know, I don't want to say ripe for the picking, but she was definitely not coming and playing her best tennis as the number two seed and number two player in the world. Nevertheless, from what we had seen from Serena, only five matches into her comeback from Wimbledon onwards, it seemed like a pretty big ask because she wasn't playing the best tennis ever. Uh, Wimbledon went out when she probably should have won that match. Then, um, you know, in, in, in Montreal, in Toronto, rather, she did win her opening match, but uh, but went out to Belinda Benchich, and Cincinnati just got pretty much destroyed by Emma Radicanu. So, she wasn't coming in with a whole lot of confidence for her to do what she did and play as well as she did against Condivite. I mean, Annette was playing pretty good in that match, too. I thought mm-hmm. it wasn't that she came out and really wasn't feeling her game, I thought both of them were playing well, and to me, there were so many moments there where it looked like vintage Serena, where the serve was just absolute money, crushing the forehand. And she looked confident again. She looked like she trusted her abilities again. And as she said, after the tournament, she said, clearly I'm capable, but it takes a lot of work. And I don't think week in and week out for those who are thinking, oh, maybe she'll stick around a little bit longer. Maybe she'll try in Australia next year. I just think the amount of work that it would take to get her to play like she did against Kontovate and Talanovic would be asking too much at this stage of of life for a 41 year old. Yeah, that's well said. I I think
0: that is kind of the key aspect that's holding her back from saying like, let's continue with a comeback and not stop here. It it is, you know, she'll have to commit 100% all in for week after week, just getting back in the gym, training and training and training, which she has been doing for the the past uh, series of months. And uh, she's made it clear she wants to have another child. So then you think about What's the time frame to do that and then continue playing? And surely she's about to turn 41, she can't have another child now and then return again to the tour and put in all that work again so just it's it's just too difficult to do at this stage but i i think just even getting that reminder of how unbelievable she is and for me probably the greatest of all time i I think with all the records and accolades that that was enough i think this was a perfect send-off honestly
1: and really what she accomplished coming back at the age of 37 38 from her her first childbirth was remarkable the fact that she made it to four more grand slam finals i know they were kind of underwhelming for Serena fans, obviously, and for her, they didn't go the way she would have liked. But even just being able to do that after taking that year off and all the complications she went through with that childbirth, I think were absolutely outstanding. So really, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to judge her and, and and look back on her on the form we've seen this past summer. Uh, it's going to be the, the body of work that she's done, uh, the impact that she's left on the sport. For all the the kids who've who've been brought to the tennis court that otherwise wouldn't have because they didn't see someone who looked like them, as Coco Goff has said, she wouldn't have picked Mm -hmm. up a tennis racket if she didn't see a black woman like Serena Williams doing it. And she said even her father wouldn't have coached her if he hadn't seen Richard Williams do it. So, so many stories like that uh, for kids who got into tennis. Um, So many young women who felt, uh, you know, super empowered uh, following in her footsteps. And, uh, and just, you know, someone who wants to stay in tennis too. And I was really happy to hear that on the way out. She also said, I don't see a future without tennis. So I think that'll be interesting in what capacity does Serena return? Do we see her in the commentating booth? Mm -hmm. Do we uh, see her maybe coaching a young American talent one day or being a, uh, you know, consulting, uh, with some of the young American players, who knows, it would just be really neat to see what she chooses to do next. Um, I, I hope there's a book that's coming out of it. I mean, I'd love to hear From Serena on her career. I mean, you could probably do a volume of books just to cover all the things that that she's seen and done in her career. So interested to see what comes next. But uh, if this is indeed it, uh, not such a bad way to go out. And even though she didn't win in doubles with Venus, it was nice to see the two of them out there together one last time, too.
0: Yeah, and a beautiful moment post-match when she took the microphone and said, I wouldn't be Serena if it weren't for Venus. Just that beautiful acknowledgement of her older sister. And currently, we don't know what the future does hold for Venus Williams. She hasn't really spoken about that. She hasn't made any announcements or proclamations of when she wants to stop her career. So maybe she will continue on uh she still has love and passion for the game she exited first round at this tournament but uh is still out there
1: competing i feel like with venus she's never wanted or enjoyed the spotlight in the same way that serena mm-hmm. has and yeah. so i feel like for her it, it won't be an announcement there won't be like a farewell series of events i feel like she'll just walk away from it she might not even make an official retirement uh announcement like I don't think John McEnroe ever officially retired from tennis. Uh, Jennifer Capriati, I don't know if she ever did, or Mary Pierce. There's some athletes Mm -hmm. that just kind of go away, and at a certain point they realize they're not going to be coming back. And clearly for Venus, that time is coming soon. Uh, The victories are pretty few and far between. She hasn't played either, really, over the last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that's it for her too, and she just chooses not to make such a a, a big uh, deal out of it, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's certainly a possibility. Uh, Just digging into the women's draw and and who we have and who the contenders are, certainly a a few surprises. And I was completely off the mark. I think a lot of people were because I felt like Simona Halep was uh, indeed a contender to maybe win the U.S. Open just based on how well she played in Toronto, how well she played at Wimbledon. And what a shock upset losing in the first round to uh, Darius Sneger of Ukraine. I did not see that one coming uh, from a mile away. Uh, So Halib is gone. You look at who's in the mix right now. Names that stand out. Jessica Pagula, fantastic American. Coco Goff playing great tennis. And I just have to mention, Frances Caroline Garcia has to be one of the hottest players on the tour right now as well. She's just beating everybody, including our Canadian Bianca Andreescu.
1: Yeah, I was quite surprised at Halep going out as well, given how well she played here to win the title in Toronto. She looked terrific, both Mm -hmm. on the practice court and in all of her matches. And when I looked at the draw originally, I wanted to send Coco Gauff a little bit further, but then I saw a potential fourth-round match with Halep, who seems to have had her number, and I thought, well, that's going to stop her there. And now I really think Coco Gauff has an excellent opportunity, along with Caroline Garcia, who you just mentioned. I mean, whoever comes out of that quarterfinal match to me Seems pretty good to make their first Grand Slam final, in my estimation, based on how both of them seem to be super comfortable out there on the court. I really thought Bianca was going to have a closer match against Garcia, but credit mm-hmm. to to Caroline. She's just playing too well right now, and, and it seems like on any surface, too, it doesn't matter. She's been winning on grass, on clay, on hard court. The confidence right now for her is through the roof.
0: Yeah, she's um, kind of locked and loaded. Her baseline game is is tremendous right now, playing so aggressively. Uh, Iga Sviantek definitely entered this tournament a little more quietly because I think, you know, Toronto underwhelming. She lost to Hadamaya there. Cincinnati, I believe, went out in the round of 16 too. so didn't have the usual form that we were seeing, of course, in the earlier part of the season where she was... Completely dominating, had that 37 match winning streak. But right now, uh, as the number one, I certainly think she's a great contender to win this thing. Maybe we were writing her off just a little bit too much leading into the tournament, but uh, controlling that top half of the draw, I-, I think there's a great chance she's back in another final. Uh, I mean, Pagula certainly is a player who could stop her. You have Sabalenka, Danielle Collins, Azarenka still in the mix. A lot of great players, but Iga has been, of course, uh, the most consistent player on the women's tour.
1: I mean, here's the thing with Sfiontek for me. First of all, she's the only one of the top four seeds that's made it into the second week. Number two, three, and four mm-hmm. all went out early and none of those were a surprise for me. Kontaveit, Sakari, yeah. and Bedosa, none of them have been playing with confidence this summer. Uh, so Sfiontek at least holding true to her seed, making it to the second week. But She's also had some easier opponents in the first yeah, few matches. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And that's about to change from the quarters on, and no offense to a Niemeyer from Germany there who's serving big and, and a, a talent to watch. But to me, when you get a Pagula or a, a yeah, Azarenka, Pliskova, Sabalenka, even Danielle Collins is playing so well right now, all of those players are next level compared to what she's faced. And she hasn't given me the confident vibe this summer that she's ready to to win the U.S. Open. So... Who knows? She's certainly capable of it. Maybe she can get back to that mind space uh, from that 37-match win streak earlier this year. But to me, there's other players in there that, that I would feel more comfortable uh, sort of backing at this point, I think.
0: Yeah, and look, Danielle Collins was in the Australian Open final, and and then I think just injuries kind of hampered her for the bulk of the season since then. She's playing great. And then Arena Sabalenko, we've kind of been sleeping on her all season, haven't spoken about her much. She, of course, didn't get to play Wimbledon either. But last year, reflecting on the U.S. Open last season, I thought she was actually ready to win that title when Layla was going up against Sabalenka. If you watch the first 10 minutes of that match, you're like, Arena looks unplayable right now. I remember the first early stages of that match, she was kind of blowing Leila off the court. So somehow Fernandez turned the tide and, and shifted that match. But uh, Sabalenka, we know when she is at her absolute best, can hit anybody off the court. And I, I think she could be a sneaky contender here, honestly.
1: And look, she got by Kaya Kanepi in the second round and Kanepi is a giant killer in the slams. And that was not an easy match either. That was two, six, seven, six in a tie break. She was way
0: behind too. Actually. I think she was, yeah, I think she was down five, two in the second too. So
1: I think often when you get through a hurdle like that early in a slam, it can really embolden you. And then you can play a little bit more freely moving forward, knowing your back was up against the wall. So maybe that's the kind of match that can bode well for her chances um, moving forward. But uh that's it for me on the women's side. It's going to be super interesting to see how it plays out. And I love seeing a first-time slam winner. So I'm excited to see someone hoist a trophy uh, in New York for the for the first time. But uh, let's move over to the men's side because there's plenty of interesting action over there as well. And uh, I don't know, to me, the story, uh, I mean, there's a couple of them. But Nadal moving along, doing what he needs to do, despite dropping a couple of early sets in his first two matches, um, really thrashed Richard Gasquet. And uh, he knows what's at stake here. There's you know only so many more opportunities for him by virtue of his age and and what his body's been through. Uh, he's not messing around, and I'm still backing him to take the title here.
0: Well, especially now you look at this field and in terms of experience pedigree, nobody else in this tournament now has uh, has won a grand slam besides Marin Chilich. And I, I don't think any of us are, are backing Marin Cilic to, to make a deep run here, but credit to him for getting to the round of 16, but uh, Nadal, some early hiccups in the tournament, particularly in the second round. I mean, he was down 6-2, 4-2 to Fabio Fanini. And I have to say that was one of the worst. I probably the worst I've seen Nadal play this season, without a doubt. Uh, he was missing just all over the place. We know Fanini gives him trouble too. Fanini actually beat him at the U S open seven years ago. Uh, but, was able to flip the script win the second he had a scary moment where he hit the hit his racket against the ground a ricochet and smoked him in the nose he was bloody on court you're thinking oh my god this is a disaster for him but he kind of put his foot on the gas after that and it was Pretty clinical against Richard Gasquet, six love, six one in those first two sets, and uh, 18 and 0 in that head to head. And you look at the bottom half of the draw, I see the other players like I don't see anybody stopping him before the semis. No disrespect to the Tiafos, Norris, Rublevs of the world, uh, but. I'd say the wild card here is could a Carlos Alcaraz get to a semifinal and push Nadal? Other than that, I don't see anybody stopping him from the
1: final, really. Yeah, and that's the semi that we're all kind of excited for to see the two Spaniards go head to head. You know, the the present of Spanish tennis and present of Spanish tennis, sorry, and the future of Spanish tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, just a couple of points on what you said there, boy. Eighteen and oh, imagine losing eighteen straight times to a to a player. I mean. Ouch! Have you ever been dominated by someone like maybe not that badly, but is there anyone you can think of who's just had your number that you've never been able to to take a match off of?
0: Oh boy, um, not not to that extent. Certainly, uh, I do have one one rival in the OTA. I'm zero and three against him, but that's only three matches and Imagine three matches. Times. Yeah, you know, and uh, I just Gasquet clearly has no answer in that matchup. You think like his best shot is that beautiful one-handed backhand and it's completely neutralized by the huge lefty forehand of Rafa that he seems like he doesn't know what to do and then I guess the similar side of that is uh, Molfis just oh I believe 0-17 against Novak Djokovic you think a couple of these amazing talents Gasquet and Molfis they would be able to sneak one win against a Rafa uh, or a Djokovic but uh, sometimes it plays out that way.
1: Well, it reminds me of Vitas Garolitis, who was a player back in the yes. uh, I want to say sixties and seventies, and and I forget who it was. Was it Jimmy Connors or McEnroe who had his number, and he finally beat him in his like eighteenth try or something like that. And he's like nobody beats Vitas Garolitis eighteen times in a row, you know. So <laughs> Gasquet needs to have that moment, I guess, at some point. Although it seems pretty unlikely yeah. at this stage of his career. Um, I guess we want to talk about Medvedev going out, the defending champion going out in round four to a. Uh, pretty red hot Nick Kyrgios right now having uh, the summer of, of his career in terms of tennis results uh, between making the finals at Wimbledon and backing it up here. And uh, I mean, a couple of things about Kyrgios and it's kind of aside from the tennis, but uh, I'm just not a fan. You know, I just, I just, I can't get, get, get by all the negative stuff that, that he brings to the table. I, I can't get through the the first part of his career and just what a, what a jerk he's been to to press and, and other players and the disrespect. I just, I can't see past it so yeah okay his talent is clicking right now and and that you can't argue against that but it's the the off-court stuff that i can't get behind and and i find it really awkward right now just to touch on this really briefly and then i'll let you talk about the tennis for us but Mm -hmm. i find it awkward with the u.s open and the atp really promoting a guy who is being investigated for domestic abuse allegations back in australia right now i I feel like especially with, uh, you know, some of the things coming out on the women's tour with uh, the French woman, Fiona Farrow, and her allegations against her coach. It just shows to me that there's absolutely no sort of compassion and understanding and support for uh, for women if the men's tour is going to pump the tires of someone who's, uh, I, again, I'm not saying guilty because I don't know all the facts and and we don't yet. But someone who's being investigated for this, I just feel like same with the Zverev situation, maybe back off a little bit. You know, before more is is known and and show that you care to do your own proper investigations, too, as a sporting body. Yeah, it's
0: uh, a little bit troubling that it is being completely glossed over. And uh, it's almost like a lot of people maybe aren't even aware of the allegations or they've forgotten. Uh, in, In any case, in terms of the tennis, I mean... Curios is playing as well as anybody on the planet right now like that's that's without question he played an unbelievable match against Medvedev 7-6-3-6-6-3-6-2 uh, the first set I think was really crucial they went to a 13-11 tiebreaker for Curios, but uh, he's serving better than anybody right now uh, we know how great his hands are he, he can produce any shot in the book and he's really looking very strong and comfortable from the baseline and probably you look at the way he's played really Wimbledon and on even playing great tennis in montreal playing well in washington that you have to think that top half of the draw he might be the favorite now to reach the final and uh, he has the confidence of having done it at a slam the previous one that i i don't know who I would kind of peg to be the guy to stop him. Maybe Matteo Berrettini, who has shown uh, great results in slams in the past. He has many great wins. He's also Wimbledon finalist. But Kyrgios, probably the favorite in that top half. And I was a little surprised Medvedev couldn't find another gear to hang with him in that round of 16 match.
1: Well, we'll see what another Russian can do is uh, Kirin Hatchinov is going to have mm-hmm. a try. And it's interesting because Kyrgios and Hatchinov had a little back and forth, I think, on Twitter yeah. Last year, at some point, I forget, Curios called him like a potato or something. I forget what a the pelican was. A pe- yeah. oh, sorry, a pelican. Okay, that I knew it would start with the letter P. There you go. Yeah, a pelican. So, uh, we'll see if Hachnoff can, uh, you know, exact some revenge from those comments. Uh, I like Casper Root, I gotta say, kind of quietly going about. Yeah, things, that's like true. The fifth seed, and I was seeing uh, that he could emerge as the number one player in the world, depending on how things go. Like, he's got a crack at it. Nadal's got a crack at it and who is the other one I forget uh, Alcaraz He uh, Alcaraz well, also yeah. walk away as the number one player in the world which just blows my mind that he's been able to rise so quickly this year so yeah there's a lot on the line here in the men's tournament and uh, be watching that one closely too now surprises in the men's tournament to me uh, obviously CeCe Pass going out in the first round Taylor Fritz going out early to um, Tracy Austin's son in his first right. match that was a real shocker and and Herbert Herkacz, Hubert Hurkacz, to me, I really thought he was going to have a good run here in, in New York, and he went out round two to Ivashka. And for Hurkacz, other than his 2021 semifinal at Wimbledon, where he beat Federer to get there, he's really disappointed at the majors. In 18 slams, he's only made it to the fourth round or better twice. And uh, for someone who's looking to establish himself as a legit top 10 presence, and I, I do believe he is one, it's not translating at the at the slams just yet.
0: Yeah, it's been very puzzling how he hasn't been able to to put together good Grand Slam performances, especially we look at Wimbledon. I remember us discussing leading into that Wimbledon draw because he's an excellent grass court player that we were probably putting him in like the top three or four of contenders uh, with his ability on the surface. And then I think flopped to, was it Adrian Manorino or someone strange in that first round, just like a puzzling loss uh, that he's just been inconsistent. Actually, I think he lost to Manorino at the Australian Open. Another surprising loss So that's something he's going to have to figure out how to manage. I don't know if it's like a best three of five problem that he seems to have, doesn't play his best tennis in that format, but uh, he certainly has the talents to do so. He did it uh, at Wimbledon last year. So we'll see if he can put it together. Taylor Fritz as well. Uh, I thought he was due for a good run, maybe to the second week. That was a big shock to me as well.
1: How about our Canadians? Any surprises there? Because to me, just overall, I'm going to say, I'm surprised that we don't have a Canadian in the second week of singles. Uh, And I know on the women's side that Leila Annie still hasn't had a lot of match time since that fractured foot and Bianca had a tough draw, of course, but um, I I guess Felix was a bit of a a disappointment. And I don't think I've ever said that about Felix before. I've always been very complimentary and very positive. And if you look at Felix at the slams last year, quarters at Wimbledon semis at the U S open. And then he started this year, quarters at quarters at the Osios open. Been disappointing since then at the majors for him.
0: Yeah, this was a big letdown, uh, I think, tournament for him uh, to lose second round to Jack Draper. And uh, in the fashion that that match went, 6-4, 6-4, 6-4, almost felt routine for Draper. And Felix, just from watching the match, he looked like he was searching for his game the entire time. He couldn't find the right balance between I want to be aggressive and try and dictate when he was doing that. He was uh, sending the ball long or he was playing too inconsistently. Then he started playing a little more passively and that allowed Draper to take control of things. So really frustrating match uh, from Felix's end. And I I thought, you know, he was one of my contenders as well to to be deep in the second week based on, I thought he played okay in Montreal despite the loss to Rude. And I thought he played, pretty well in, in Cincinnati. So it'll be back to the drawing board for Felix. I will say for Denis Shapovalov, OK, he lost in the third round, but I think this was a huge step forward for him after what's been a really trying season and going five sets toe to toe with Andrei Rublev and what I thought was one of the best matches of the first week.
1: The summer has definitely shown uh, a glimmer of hopes, hope for for Shapo. Uh, it mm-hmm. seems like yeah, there there is a light at the end of the tunnel and I hope he gets there because this is a guy who started the year looking like a top 10 player for sure in my mind and the rest of the season's been just one big epic disaster and and that's just, I think anyone would agree with that in terms of him going like 1-11 or whatever it was, you know, basically heading into Cincinnati. So, got a couple of good wins there. Y- you can't, you know, hang your head in a five-set tiebreak loss to a player like Rublev. Hopefully, Chapo can have a strong fall And finish off the year in a much better fashion, feeling better for for 2023. But as I look at what some of the commentators say about Chapo, you know, from other countries, not the Canadian ones, but just to get an unbiased opinion. And it's this is what you're going to get with Chapo through his career is you're going to have big swings, high highs, really low lows. And I don't see a lot of people who feel confident that he can find that middle ground.
0: I will say it was nice that he uh he actually tweeted so positively in the loss uh and had a wonderful embrace at net with Rublev and you know had a, a retweet saying huge respect to Andre I gave it my all like if if he wa- I think you know he should watch Back um, that film uh, of his match against Rublev because he seemed to find the perfect balance of being aggressive, but also pushing rallies, you know, past the 10 shot mark, not going for too much, pulling the trigger at the right times. He seemed to have the right balance there. And it's almost with Dennis like, he plays I feel like he plays so well when he's playing someone inside the top 20 and he can't seem to harness those abilities when he's playing guys outside the top 30, outside the top 50 when you have those head scratching losses uh against players where he he's clearly the more talented one on the court.
1: Yeah, like he's got to find a way to fire himself up for those other matches uh mm-hmm. perhaps when he's up against a lower ranked opponent. Uh more positive news for Canadians. Well, let's say just in doubles. Gabby Dabrowski, no surprise, still in women's doubles, uh, as she always tends to be in these ones. Uh, It'd be great to see her back in a Grand Slam final, uh, so who knows how that plays out. Uh, It won't be in mixed doubles, though, because she went out to Leila Annie Fernandez, uh, which was kind of shocking. Leila Annie showing some great doubles prowess uh, Mm -hmm. with with her partner in the women's doubles, Daria uh, Gavrilova, now uh, Sevilla, who took out the number two seeds, Pagula and Coco Gauff, in a really exciting back-and-forth match before they fell in the next round. But still alive in the mixed doubles in a very interesting pairing with Jack Sock, and uh, I think they could. I mean, obviously taking out Gabby Dabrowski in mixed doubles, who's the more accomplished doubles player, speaks volumes about what that duo I think can accomplish here.
0: Well, Jack Sock is an, an incredible doubles player, uh, as we know, and has won multiple slams in doubles. And I'm actually impressed that he's even still playing because in the singles format, he went up, I believe, two sets to love against Diego Schwartzman, was playing incredible tennis. And then suddenly an injury hit he wasn't moving well and gave uh, Schwartzman a walkover uh, by the fourth set he just didn't have any energy left so I was wondering if he would actually fully retire from the tournament so um, super pleased that he's hung around and is still playing great tennis Uh, seems to be managing his body okay in the doubles and yeah Layla found herself a great partner and Fernandez is uh, pretty strong on the doubles court herself.
1: Yeah, Jack Sock's back gave out, so he walked away from that singles match. As you said, he was up, but lost the third set, six love, and was down a break, one love in the fourth, and realized there's no way he'd be able to get through it. Pulled out of his men's doubles altogether, so it was great that he stuck around for the mix, and hopefully, I guess, feeling better now to see what him and Leila Annie can do. Let's finish with a great Canadian story, Rebecca Marino.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Incredible, of course, reaching her first third round at the U.S. Open in her career. It's the second time she's been in the third round of a major. Uh, Surprisingly, did it actually at the French Open back in 2011. Uh, You wouldn't think clay would be at all her best surface, but... Boy, what a summer she's had. You know, I, I think she's playing some of the best tennis in her career, even dating back to the, the first installment of her career when she was playing great 20, 2010, 2011, and comfortably back inside the top 100 now. I believe she's projected to rise to number 90 and These elements really change uh, the trajectory of your career if she's going to be a main draw, mainstay. And I think she belongs with that booming serve, forehand combination. I think she's moving the best I've seen her move since her return. And, you know, still just 31 years old. And we know tennis players are playing much, much longer these days. I think she still has a handful
1: of years ahead of her. And uh, it's so wonderful to see. Agreed. And I think it's amazing the reward she's getting for her perseverance to stick with it. And the financial reward. She just made oh, yeah. $188,000 American for reaching the third round. She's going to be, you would have to think, ranked high enough to avoid qualies at the Aussie Open, yep. which means another big payday just for getting to the first round there. And for someone who's had to really work hard to get back to the top 100, it's just so remarkable and and so heartwarming to see a player like her get this financial support Uh to help her out with, um, with continued costs. Cause it's not easy if you're outside of the top 100, we know that much.
0: No, it really isn't, but she's proven, I I think, especially this summer, that she belongs. I'm looking back at what she did at the City Open in Washington, making the quarterfinals. Impressive wins over uh, Pekovic, beat Venus in an exciting match, actually, before losing to Gavrilova, and uh, she looked good in Granby as well before going out to Marta Kostiuk, and uh, she absolutely belongs in the top 100 of the circuit. I still feel like her ceiling could be higher. Like I I don't know if I want to say top 50, but definitely top 75.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that too. And uh, let's just see how it plays out. I uh, I feel like she's a player I don't want to put any pressure on or have any expectations. Mm-hmm. I just want to be along for the ride and and sort of see what happens next. So, uh, you know, kudos to her for what she's done. Um, looks like we're at the end of our mid-U.S. Open episode, which is good because I don't know if you've noticed, but my voice is starting to, <laughs> to go out. It's a grind, you know. For those of us on this side, you know, off the court as well, it's a grind. So I'm going to have to pace myself for our big wrap-up episode next week
0: yeah pace yourself for a handful more days of tennis uh, round of 16 action wrapping up then uh quarter semis and final and we'll be saying goodbye to grand slam tennis nothing is ever the same for the rest of the tennis calendar uh post us open so i can't wait for uh, the conclusion of this one you've been listening to match point canada guys we will talk to you next time